Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. And I think that I think that a lot of times, you know, flips are risky. There's there's no question about that. And especially in a changing market or an uncertain market, there's an extra layer of pressure that comes there. And yeah, it's really interesting. There's so many people I've also talked to basically letting them know, because I mean, we have three flips right now. And it's like, whoa, aren't you scared? Aren't you nervous? And it's like, yeah, there's always some risk there. But with that level of risk is also that same level of payoff. And I just think like I've done myself, like you can talk yourself out of anything. You can come up with all the reasons why it wouldn't make sense. And that's ultimately the difference between somebody who can like get past that hurdle and then like see the other side and, and actually like cross the finish line or somebody who's always going to be kind of like on the bench, just waiting. So like yeah. it's totally mindset. 90% mm -hmm. of it is mindset. I and think that might Hey everyone, welcome to episode 24 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm your co-host Jordan Lee and I'm a lender that's based in Portland, Oregon and licensed in about seven states and I also invest in single family real estate. Yeah, and I'm Stephen Tran. I'm an Oregon realtor and I invest in multifamily and today we had two guests, uh, really great people, Tyler and Michelle Koble. Uh, they're actually agents in my office and you know, I think they've been in the business for 10 years and seven years, respectively. Yeah, they, they have a great partnership. They kind of divide and conquer really well. Um, and they talk about how they transition their business to eventually being not just on the sales side, but also the investing side, um, doing some flipping and some burring. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a, it's a super interesting interview. They talk about a really interesting flip that they did that kind of everyone told them not to do. Oh yeah. And I mean, you know, I think that's where we really emphasize the, the art of real estate because with their experience, they knew that it would, you know, add so much value and you're just gonna have to listen and find out, you know, how much value they added. Yeah. And if you have analysis paralysis, this is a good episode for you. So tune in and enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to the Realized Gains podcast. I'm Steven Tran. And I'm your co-host Jordan Lee, and we have a couple of very special guests today. We're here with Tyler and Michelle Koble. Um, funny story: I actually went to elementary school with Michelle uh, many years ago, and uh, they were actually the first call I made when I got into real estate and made the shift. Uh, so, hey, really quick, um, if you guys could just kind of introduce yourselves, talk about talk about your story, how you guys got into real estate. We'd love to hear. Um, I know Michelle, you're also an MBA, which um, is not necessarily the path that I see a lot of realtors yeah. taking. So I'm curious to hear where, where that transition happened and why. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been in real estate about 10 years. I, I know coming up on 10 years <laughs> in August. So 
I, um, prior to real estate, was a manager at Target, and Tyler can share his story here in a second. He was also a manager. You were his boss. At Safeway. No, <laughs> no we both were. Oh, she's the boss. <laughs> yeah. And basically, I just wasn't happy with retail life. You work a lot of hours during the holidays, don't see your family. Yeah. Um, I just didn't see the trajectory in that path being something that I really wanted to do. And actually, I started looking um, for myself for buying a house during that time and loved the process so much that I thought maybe real estate is something that this was this sense. was that when what year was that? So this was back in 2013. Okay. So good time to be looking. Yeah, good time to be looking, not necessarily a good time to be an agent. I mean, it depends how you look at things, but I didn't know much about um, what's a good market, what's a slow market. I just was like, I am interested in real estate. I don't love um, the job that I'm in and why not? So I just got my license and was all in um, just basically from the get-go. It's just kind of sink or swim. And you did your MBA before? Like yeah. after that transition or before? No, prior to that. Okay. Yeah. So I did an MBA as a, an international program. So I actually lived in England for a year and then lived in Thailand for six months. Okay. And most of my um, peers were getting jobs internationally and I really wanted to put some roots down. Okay. And yeah. So it wasn't a real, real estate focus. It wasn't real estate focus, but definitely gave me a lot of business tools that I was able to implement. I mean, basically, when you go out and you become a real estate agent, you, in a lot of ways, you own your own business. And so there's a lot of similar principles that I was able to apply there. So. Okay. So became an agent. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, so how, and at some point you got into investing. Yeah. Was that always the like long-term plan too? Or did you get interested in investing in real estate because yeah. of you're seeing what your clients did and that type of thing. Yeah. I always knew that I wanted to invest in real estate. I actually always wanted to flip houses and own rentals. And it just felt like having, being involved in real estate in some capacity was always what, you know, people did when they wanted to achieve wealth and, you know, time back with family. And those mm -hmm. were all things that I, you know, kind of drew me to real estate. Even um, like, one of the first dates that we ever went on was like 14 <laughs> years ago. We went and went to Home Depot because they were going to do a class on like how to replace <laughs> tile. We were, like, classes we're, like, we're like 22 and we're standing there. And we're like the only people you didn't there. didn't go to home at the time. No. no. We were so poor. We, like, yeah. We, wanted uh, to learn anything yeah. about real estate. was just always so wow. That was like your art painting class. <laughs> yeah, do totally. Tile. Yeah. yeah. We're, yeah. yeah home Depot at 7 a.m. You're wine and painting and just going to Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. And like, <laughs> this is how you do it. Well, we don't have any tile, but. We'll know now, I guess. Yeah, that's funny. Good memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, and then I was an agent for a few years and then Tyler joined up and kind of. Yeah. I was doing uh, store manager management for Safeway at the mm -hmm. time and she got into it. She didn't say, but her growing up, her dad also did it. So there was oh. like a little bit of experience there that she was around, but I got to watch her jump in and do it and. Like from my perspective, one of the most important things that she did was just dive all the way in mm -hmm. and kind of just went for it. Didn't like work part-time one. Part -time yeah, totally. We have so many people come to us that are interested in real estate and want to do it and then want to kind of like partially do it or do it part-time. And 
it just seems really hard. It's, she, it's very difficult. I, yeah. I did that for a while. So yeah, that's usually my advice whenever anyone asks me is like, just go for it 100% if you're going to do it. Go all in. It's not like a part-time thing. But I got yeah. to watch her do it. And she dove all the way in and did amazing. I mean, she won the rookie of the year for our office here and was getting super busy. And I got to just kind of see all the benefits that she was taking on by like making this big jump and it became really clear to me i'm like wow this is crazy like there's just so much more out there and so many opportunities that can be presented by real estate that i was like whoa i can't do this job anymore like this is crazy and we started like getting more serious in our relationship and we're like well someday we know we want to have kids Mm -hmm. like how are we going to have kids working 65 hours a week at Safeway and Target and no right. vacation time and doing all this. And then when she started doing real estate, you can start to envision like a life where you have balance and you can do those things. Yeah, I mean, you get to yeah. choose your hours, right? I mean, you're still in some sense, you, I mean, you have to work a lot of hours or whatever, but yeah. you can, you can decide to not work the hours if you want to, right? Yeah. I mean, box. nobody wants to see houses on Christmas right. or yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's yeah. not like, you know, well, I've done that. I mean, for the most part, though, I mean, you still, yeah, you're but you can like, choose to say no, right? right. Yeah, yeah, you if, can if, leverage If you're the manager it. at Target, you can't, I mean, you yeah, gotta be there, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I think that, like, being a realtor first prior to investing really helped lay the foundation for just being able to analyze properties really well. You know, you run CMAs or comparative market analysis for clients and you get to know how to do that. You get to know the ins and outs, even seeing firsthand what buyers like, what they don't like, what are non-negotiables, all of those things kind of help build the foundation for having, you know, a good insight from an investor standpoint. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I think one of the things that has been a struggle for us is like we underestimate our experience and our ability. And so we don't, I think, give ourselves enough credit for all the experience that we've gained by doing real estate for seven and 10 years. Mm -hmm, And so, you know, it's easy to be nervous or unsure about doing something that you've never done before. And so it's like, Michelle, I know one of the big things that led to her like really deciding to just make that first jump was listening to um, the Bigger Pockets podcast. Mm-hmm. She would listen to that constantly that. and yeah. constantly. Uh, yeah. But it like built up the. It's a very common topic. thing among our investors, I would say, yeah. of the people that we've interviewed, probably like 15 out of 20 or, or something like that. Love Bigger Pockets, listen on to the forums, listen to Learn. Yeah. yeah, like started thinking about it, get their brain so tuned related. towards it. Exactly. Like they pick the perfect, you know, contestants, or not contestants, but, you know, people that they interview. It's like just pretty, you know, like teachers or people who just start off like the most basic paths and then they just decide one day I'm going to invest in real estate. And then sometimes they have these like massive portfolios and you don't have to start off being a millionaire, having a bunch of money. I think that's sometimes one of the common misperceptions is like, especially when with flipping, it's like, oh, you have to be able to pay cash for something and you don't realize until you start listening to bigger pockets or start like in, um, engaging with other investors, learning about a lot of the different ways that you can do creative financing and Mm -hmm. structure something where you don't have to put that much of your own money into the deal. Yeah. I think that we, one of the first like deals that we came across where we were like, wow, this is an excellent opportunity like to make money in real estate investing. We totally like 
analyzed everything, ran the numbers 15 times, 16 different ways. And we we're like, <laughs> dude, every way we run this, like, this is a deal. Mm. This will work. Okay. And then we didn't do it. We oh. like passed it off to someone else. This was years ago. This is before you got your first property or this is just. No, this was this before. Is, so we owned yeah. our home. Right. We owned our home and we, you know, we've done well with what we've done to that one. But it was before we had bought any like rentals. Okay. So you had started. This was years this ago. This would have been the first investment right. this, property. This, this would have, this should have okay. been <laughs> the first one, right? Um, but we didn't have all of the tools and momentum of like, okay, the mental, like we're doing this, let's go. We wanted to do it, but we didn't understand the financing part of it as well as we do now to where we now we're like if you want a deal if you find a deal like you'll find money yeah like you can figure that part out whether you get a partner or hard money or you borrow it from your somebody that can loan it to you whatever like if there's a deal there's a way to buy it mm -hmm. usually and we kind of ran we're like oh if we do this it's going to be too tight like we're going to be so broke for <laughs> six months or whatever and then we watched somebody else do that deal and we're like i knew it yeah. <laughs> you know? where, where did you get where did you find the deal that one was uh, the one that we passed. Up. Yeah, yeah. that one was yeah. actually a neighbor in okay. our neighborhood. Was like, "Hey, this is what I'm trying to accomplish." You, like, you were talking with them randomly, or they came to you, or they had an estate sale, so someone oh, had passed yeah. away. It was a really delicate situation, and they were like, "We would love to not go on the market. We'd love to sell it. This is our price." They actually had the number that they thought. You know, they came up with that number, and we were like, "Wow, that's a really reasonable." Oh man, that would have been great to number. To your investment, it was across the it street, was, like oh, three houses. It was like, yeah, it was like four houses away. That is my dream. But yeah, yeah, I didn't realize at the time, like. Um, I didn't realize that, you know, especially because we were thinking of it more as a flip or a burr. But I didn't realize, like, with hard money, you know, I thought I had all these like misconceptions in my mind about what it would take. I didn't realize that you could even, um, you know, borrow for the rehab. I thought you had to have that money in your pocket. So by the time I was like, okay, this needs, you know, 75,000 in rehab plus, you know, let's say hard money usually is like 20, 25% down, you know, just that would have been way too much of a stretch if not impossible. But realistically, like, and I can jump into the first deal that we actually did. Um, we were able at the time, uh, the loan structures and rates were better. So mm. they're, they're back to like yep. 20%, but it was 10% at the time. And you could do the rehab loan and put that into the deal. And so we found a house that was off market through a wholesaler. They were this was like five it. years later. Yeah. This, no, this was like, so this was last year, okay. but okay. probably four years after the, no, yeah. maybe like three years okay. after we passed that on. Yeah. So a lot of time had passed. It kind of was like, just let it lie and just kind of went back to yeah. um, doing what we did with kept real saving, estate. But kept saving. Yeah. That's what I thought. Year, like, like, yeah, away, right? let's yeah. keep saving, yeah. stashing money away so when the right opportunity comes, we can jump on it. I mean, that was like on our whiteboard for like two years. Mm. It's like buy an investment property, buy a rental. Mm. I think that missing out on that one really did like plant the seed of like we cannot miss the next one like we need to be ready yeah we've heard from other in investors as well too some of them will just like keep running numbers on properties oh, yeah. so they like oh psych themselves just out just to like get themselves going you oh, know? i can that. tell you so all day about that, that. Yeah, i can give you another yeah. example like down the road but I, that's she runs so many numbers that uh, like by the time she comes to me and is like 
I ran all the numbers. Like, this is a deal. Look at this. And like, don't even look. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's a deal. Okay, I'm like, yeah. There's probably yeah. 20 yeah. deals yeah. that you tossed, but yeah. by the time it gets to me, I'm like, yes, <laughs> just do it. Did you guys feel like you were running into analysis paralysis for those couple years? Yes, for sure. I think though that most of that just had to do with the financing piece because mm. everything was like, oh, it's like too big of a stretch. Whereas once I realized like how much more we could leverage other people's money, I mean, you still obviously there's a weight of like getting it right and making sure you're comping it well. But it's, you know, if it's not like draining every last penny in your account and you're able to, you know, feel a little more financially comfortable, it's like just kind of takes some of the pressure off. I, guess. I mean, ultimately, those guys don't want to lend on something that's not going to perform, right? Totally. They don't, yeah. They're not out there to foreclose. Right. They, yeah. they're, they want a deal to work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we didn't even think about that really in, in our most recent one that's doing really well when we bought it. They came to us and were like, hey, like, I don't know if this is a deal. Like, I don't know if this pencils out, if we can lend you this. Like, this is a weird one. And we're just not sure. And then we had another person in that same, like, two days who's also in the industry tell us the same thing. And we were looking at each other like, are we missing something? Are we crazy? <laughs> like, oh, now we're, like, pumping the brakes. And then that was another example of us just kind of coming together and trusting, like, our experience in real estate and we're looking at it and we're like, they're wrong. Like they're wrong. Like, which I think we wouldn't have necessarily had the like ability to do mm. without like a little bit of experience, but we, we were able give to some context. Yeah. To that. Okay. Okay. Sure. Kind of, like we had a prop. So we, um, found this amazing fixer property it was in the MLS. It was two photos, a front photo and a photo of a barn on two acres. It was listed for 400,000 in, in Newburgh and um, basically like was a complete gut job. Like it was already gutted, but um, needed a ton of work. But I comped it around 950 and acreage. It had two acres. Two acres yeah. In a barn. So after totally remodeled, comped it at 950, we ended up getting it into contract. There were eight offers. We weren't even the highest offer, but we did waive inspections and we were able to get it into contract at 465. Okay. And they we used hard money and the BPO came back at 800, which was our break even. <laughs> and um, then it was like, whoa, pump the brakes. Like, what are we missing? Yeah. But all a BPO is, is a broker price right. opinion. Yeah. So it's mm -hmm. one person's which, opinion against another. Which, yeah, you should explain another. that to the audience because yeah. I had one of those too that was interesting. Um, so, so help us understand the difference between a, a BPO, a broker's price opinion, and an appraisal. Yeah, I mean, a BPO is usually just a licensed agent that run comps in the same way that, you know, Tyler and I can run comps. Um, it's not as thorough as an appraisal. Um, it's just usually, I mean, just a guide, really. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you might be able to highlight more. Well, I mean, that, I, but. so I see it from my, on my side, I mean, for conventional loans, you can't ever really use a BPO, but yeah. you can sometimes for HELOCs on certain, certain banks will allow that. So when I was getting a HELOC for my property, um, they do, first they did the automated valuation, right? And yeah. that came in like a lot lower than I thought it was going to be. Um, and so they're like, okay, do you want to do a BPO or an appraisal? Um, and so I requested, okay, let's try the BPO. And yeah. I talked to the realtor for a little bit and and just like made sure she understand, oh, by yeah. the way, like you could, it's zoned this way so yeah. I could split off a lot or whatever. Right. So 
I yeah, to your point, like an appraisal, they're gonna look at the comps of closed sales in the last six months in the area. It's a licensed appraiser that that's all they do for their living, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, it, well, an appraisal, you have to go inside, you have to look at it more carefully. Yeah. Like a BPO, they don't come inside, yeah. they just maybe will yeah. drive by. Yeah. One thing we always talk about when we're pricing a home for like a listing or for an investment or whatever is we always talk about how there's a art and a science to determining the value of a home. Mm-hmm. And maybe like a desktop appraisal or even an appraiser will go out there and they'll look at the square footage, they'll look at these like, it's numbers. It's like all numbers a lot of times, and they're comparing it to the numbers. Because you have to base of it off of something, right? Exactly. You have yeah. to be able to show, like, hey, where I think the experience that we have in like knowing our market, being in the market helps a lot. And so that's where maybe if you're thinking about getting into it, and you're like, well, maybe I should like you should just get involved in the real estate market, whether you're a lender or you're a realtor or something like just helps so much that's where we were able to like see past these things because we knew that when it was done yeah, I mean, this was so hard to find yeah we yeah right like the appraise the bp maybe somebody maybe the agent just who did the bpo maybe they're not familiar with it or whatever mm-hmm. but we knew that a basically completely redone new home in this area on acreage is so hard to find and we had oh, clients yeah. yeah we had clients that we were like this is the buyer like we have buyers for this home it just doesn't exist so we knew yeah. if we could create that home it was going to do better than 800 yeah but it definitely makes you pause when you are putting totally. that much on the line and somebody comes back and says no we think you're wrong we think that like 800 is which would have been our breaking because it's not their standard value. deal though right it's not, right. It's, not their, it's not yeah. their standard deal Way exactly more subjectivity on two acres you don't see comps like that every day as well but we did like a three one in hillsborough that was just like on a tiny little lot standard and they were like Psh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean you know yeah. you're telling me like you bought it at what 465 yeah and, but and break even was 800 so it was a lot by time yeah. because <laughs> we were building yeah. a lot of money yeah. i mean it was like the remote models like 250 plus like the lender fees carrying costs closing costs realtor oh. fees i mean you factor all of that stuff. in yeah. and not to mention when we bought it that was right when rates were like around six percent right. so okay. that was part of the battle too is like this is not a standard home that's in portland that's a three two this is acreage property in yamhill county higher risk in a turning market there were all these moments where you know, first you get excitement that your offer is accepted and then you're kind of like, oh shit, here are all the ways I want to talk myself out of it. Yeah. And that definitely happened. And he was right there, like pulling me back from the Am ledger. Am I confident for the right reasons? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With a hard money mortgage at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's one that we finished a few weeks ago, put it on the market and we sold it in three days. We're in well, contract. it's not closed yet. It's not closed. Yeah, it's that's true. <laughs> right? Anything could happen, but yeah, we're in that. I mean, we're. We listed it at 1.1 yeah. nope. pending in three days. So yeah. it's like, and that's not including that in the time that since we bought it, the market has shifted completely, right? Like, wait a second. So the, but the BPO was done <laughs> based on your plans or yep. after they, after you had completed it, it was no, based no, on the, based plans. On the yeah, plan. So they, didn't, they couldn't but envision we, it the same But we way. explained right. we were going to make it just like a new construction standard. I provided photos of a, another flip that I did that uh-huh. was, you know, around that same caliber 
And they did end up revising their BPO to 850, which is why we got the <laughs> loan. But it was still like, best of luck to you. This is basically like, if you want to break even, but take that risk. They, they were close then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, but it appraised okay. Oh, oh we just uh, had our yeah, appraisal. We just had our appraisal yeah. yesterday. I like, I have no. It's not officially yeah, back, but he said they didn't have any concerns. Oh, it's, it's, it, right. it, it didn't impact. And if I like, numbers. if I run the comps yeah. right now, when we priced it, I felt so good about mm -hmm. the price. You yeah. know, like I was, I can, yeah, I don't have any yeah. concerns with it. But. Uh, it's it's interesting because everyone that we're talking to recently is like, oh, we're probably not going to do any much, do much flipping um, in this this year because yeah. rates are higher, deals are harder to find. But there's still deals out there, right? Yeah, and that was in RMLS. I mean, I think that, I think that a lot of times, you know, flips are risky. There's, there's no question about that, and especially in a changing market or an uncertain market, there's an extra layer of pressure that comes there. And yeah, it's really interesting. There's so many people I've also talked to, basically letting them know. I mean, because we have three flips right now, and it's like whoa, aren't you scared? Aren't you nervous? And it's like, yeah, there's always some risk there. But with that level of risk is also that same level of payoff. And I just think like I've done myself, like you can talk yourself out of anything. You can come up with all the reasons why it wouldn't make sense. And that's ultimately the difference between somebody who can like get past that hurdle and then like see the other side and, and actually like cross the finish line or somebody who's always going to be kind of like on the bench just waiting it's like yeah. it's totally mindset 90 percent mm -hmm. of it is mindset i think and that might be like the best advice that we could give would be like find a way to just go and do and do it and all those mental hurdles that come up of like reason one two three four five not to do it um they're always going to be there but um the more you can educate yourself and like empower yourself and feel better about just the ability to evaluate a deal, um, it's going to go a long way. I mean, right now, like this market, let's say it's a depreciating sales prices. You're like uncertain about what the future holds. Um, those things still create like even better deals because there's sellers that are like panicking. Yeah. We've, yeah. I mean, we negotiated, yeah. we negotiated a flip that we're on, like working on right now down like a hundred thousand dollars off the list. Wow! Price. Like, geez. yeah. I mean, it was originally listed for four twenty five, but that was not a realistic price. And then they eventually dropped the price to three fifty. And there was a pretty rough tenant living in there. Like Porter had a mm. huge, like seventy pound dog, just completely destroying the place. But um, we got into contract for a 310 and then after inspections and everything got it all the way down to 255. Oh, wow. And so that to me is an example of like how this market can help an investor because that seller was thinking if it doesn't sell now or if we terminate or whatever it is, then we're going to have to go back on the market. Start again. Worse. It feels like yeah. it's getting worse. Mm -hmm. And so then that created a great outcome for us. But part of it is that we have, you know, we have an idea of what we expect the market to do over the next like six to eight months. And that could change. Uh, but if you know your, your numbers and you can evaluate that, then you can just build that in like, okay, I'm expecting sales prices to do this over the next like six months. And so the numbers either work or they don't. And there's a margin that makes sense or it doesn't, but then you can feel good about moving forward. It seems to me too, that you're not like finding a house putting some paint on it, changing the trim, and then reselling it. It seems to me more that you're looking at deals that are 
heavy fixed. Yeah. Pretty intensive value add, which totally. Yeah. In this market, there's actually quite a few of them. And yeah. I think people kind of shy away from those deals because they're more yeah. work. But to me, it, there's always going to be that deal there, right? Because yeah. that work needs to be done and someone's going to pay a lot more for something that's remodeled than, than no, not. Totally. Nobody wants to do that work. Yeah. Exactly. And that's where our like that's where our margins live, are doing the stuff no one else wants to do. And I think the thing that we're finding right now is that the homes that are selling are the ones that are totally dialed oh, yeah. and that don't need work and create an emotional like connection that can help a buyer move past the logical like rates are high these are the things that are scaring me like the emotion of seeing a beautiful home with beautiful staging is what helps them jump past that and be like i just have to have this house mm. and so that would be advice that i have for anyone like right now if you are doing it do it right do it right yeah and, and do it nice and create that emotional connection to the home and don't expect to be able to just kind of be like eh, we'll just do a little bit of this do a little send it out and it's just a vacant shoebox with nice paint it's like yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your renovation process? Like how you got started in it? Were you thinking like, I'm going to do some of this hands-on or I'm just going to pull on, go get contractors? Like what was the <laughs> process? <laughs> well, so we originally, so we bought um, our first re re rental and we did a lot of work ourselves. Mm. And that was rewarding in ways, but we quickly learned like the power of leverage was and the this power more of than, like floors and... Um, we did like, we gutted the kitchen. I'm talking oh, about Ronald. Yeah, we gutted yeah. the, so it didn't need much. It needed a wall to come down and replace the kitchen. Okay. And, well, I guess that's not much for us, but like, <laughs> we built cabinets. We did, <laughs> but we did, yeah, we, we did a lot on that one. So like built? we, we did the cabinets. I yeah. did eight months pregnant. <laughs> oh, yeah. I built those cabinets Holy in the garage. <laughs> but that's the like, I guess that's the like the go getter, like just go do it, get it done. Like take that step, like be eight months pregnant and do it. I mean, that's just the way that Michelle is. But we, uh, yeah, so we did some stuff on that. It was like pretty specialized woodworking. They just figured out how to do well, it. If you, you got a rental it. that's, no, I mean, if you have you know, custom cabinets, maybe. Yeah, but most yes. of the like RTA ones are pretty standard. I mean, you just put some shims and you screw it to the wall. It's easier yeah. than he Ikea. He installed them. I just like, assembled like the cabinet box and then he put it in. And oh, and we had a little experience. So I did the cabinets in our personal home. And that's so, true. so you guys actually—that's a good point. Before yeah. you did your first rental, you also renovated your home Correct. once or twice, right? Pretty yeah, once. We bought a 1968, mm -hmm. and it was like Brady Bunch when you walked in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Yeah. We spent a couple of years doing that, and we enjoyed it. But uh, so we had some experience going into this rental, and we did. Uh, we did a lot ourselves. We did the cabinets. Um, Michelle did like some tile at the fireplace, mm. and we. With that one, we were less concerned because it was going to be a rental. It mm. didn't, you know, we weren't thinking we'll sell this. We were thinking we'll burr it. Right. And so we did some stuff ourselves. We had a contractor do the wall and uh, it wasn't too bad. It was like kitchen cabinets, paint, refinished floors, and it wasn't too bad. We, exterior paint. Like yeah, exterior. Paint. I did do the exterior paint myself. Mm. Um, so, but we were interested in doing that. We, we like doing certain projects. Yeah. So it was like a balance of, well, I like to do this, can save a little money, let's try it. Um, and then we rented that one out and we were planned to burr that one. And then when it came to burring, it didn't pencil out. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up keeping more money in it than we expected and just rented it out. Okay. 
And then, so for the next one, you were like, screw that. I'm not doing cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, and then once we bought our next one with the intention to flip, there's a higher standard there, I think. Totally. When, you know, you want to make sure you do everything by the book. So it's very much like hire out a licensed contractor mm-hmm. for 99% of the jobs. Like I did some wallpaper in a bathroom and I convinced him to do an accent wall for me yeah. in the primary suite. And that was about it. For the most part, it was like hire everything we, else out. Yeah. Now we kind of pick and choose. Are we interested in doing it? Like, right. are we going to enjoy doing it? Choose the fun project. Yeah. yeah. And choose the ones that don't require expertise right like that like a professional needs to do the detail work yeah yeah but a lot of those things are like the some of the biggest value add things i would say like in selling those two flips the little wallpaper that michelle will do or an accent wall these things cost almost nothing like a couple hundred bucks um but i'll hold the open houses and you'll just see people come in and be like oh my gosh it's beautiful it's beautiful and like Almost like three hundred bucks, I mean, you know. But yeah, but that stuff makes, makes a difference. Though. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, you can't see when you change the bones, right? When you change remove a wall, they didn't have no context for that. They didn't see the before, but yeah, yeah they they can see the accent, the pretty yep. stuff, right? Totally. Yeah. Huh. Okay. And so, talk to us about a lot of our viewers and me too. Everyone really is has a hard time selecting contractors. Yeah. Knowing what to do with that <laughs> process. How, how have you gone about that? <laughs> Well, I think that's a work in progress. Yeah. I mean, I think that having the right contractor is really, really important. And it's really hard to find somebody that's affordable, that's going to do it well, and that's going to do it within the time frame mm-hmm. that you need it to be done in. Because usually it's like you can get two, two of the three. Two of the three. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's like, uh, how do you, I'm still trying to find like the magic contractor mm-hmm. that can do all three. But um, we're still kind of refining our, our search in that. But um uh, well, yeah. we, and this is just another reason why having our real estate background has helped us. So we've worked with so many contractors in the last decade that, you know, we have like, okay, these people are good. These people are not good. And so by the time we got to our first flip, we knew, okay, like of the contractors we've worked with, like, this is who we're going to give a shot. And like Michelle said, it's like, it's a work in progress, but we had that like, list of people right right? um but another thing that michelle did was partner with someone that has a lot of experience doing flips okay and this person also has uh their own list of contractors and things and so that's been a really big resource of just partnering with somebody who has tons of experience um and like there's a financial gain to partner up for this person and then you're able also to you know kind of utilize some of their expertise and referrals and, and stuff, yeah. but it's hard. Finding a contractor is really hard. Do you guys have any contractor horror stories? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a list? Like, you know, I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I think I everyone think. does, right? Like, even oh, yeah. our clients, every yeah. single person we've ever talked to is like, oh, this person is a nightmare, or we had this. It's just really hard to, yeah. to find really good help. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with how big your products are. Like, I, mm-hmm. you have that one contract for a three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure it wasn't all, you know, sunshine and rainbows. I think that being involved and just planning to like walk your properties often like, something that schedule. really is what's gonna help make or break it because I mean I, I first thought my goal was like, wow, this house is out in Newburgh, that's forty five minutes away from my 
primary home. I don't know that I want to be out there every other day, but really I, I was, and I'm glad that I was because even like subtle things like I walked in one day and trim was being installed and I had a specific way that I wanted it to be installed and it was being done incorrectly. And so I was able to like see that, catch it. And before the whole house was trimmed that way, like, yeah, they're not going to rip it off after they've done the whole thing. But if you do it early, I mean, they would have, but it would have costed a few days and then it would have set back, you know, the painter or whoever, you know, is next in line to go. And so you know, I think those are the things that I, you know, I'm still on the hunt for a contractor that I feel like I can kind of like leave for a week and feel like the communication, you know, has been relayed correctly. And some of that's on me, but also just, um, you know, feeling like I don't have to project manage every step of the way to feel like things are going to get done. But it's also just kind of part of the process, I think, and in being involved. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Um, so talk to us a little bit about how you guys structure your team. So, I, I mean, I know you guys were both on the sales side before, yeah. but that now you have two kids, you have a lot going on in your life. Now you're investing too. How, how are you guys making that work? How are you balancing? Yeah, how are you Everything. balancing? Flips. <laughs> Agents. Yeah. We don't. Because you, <laughs> you don't have that bag to your guys' eyes. The kids are making oh, they're there. Right? Yeah. They're, they're behind the like fake tanner. Yeah. yeah. They're there. I mean, it's hard. I mean, I think that like we do a really good job of it actually, but it's still really hard. I mean, we're busy and we're like taking on and taking on and taking on and it feels good, but we have help with our kids and Michelle really leads the charge on the investment stuff. Okay. I mean, she will pull me in if she wants my advice about a certain thing or help with something or has a question. It's good to have the like soundboard Mm -hmm. and the reassurance of, Hey, like, look at this deal. Does this make sense? Uh, but for the most part, she is like 90% of mm. the investments that we're doing okay. and I'm running and helping all of the sales side of like listing homes, helping our clients and oh, doing nice. all that. And so that's kind of like how we've divided it. Yeah. And we just found it's much more effective and, and effective for us too to just be like focused here and you're focused here mm-hmm. and not trying to do too much. Mm. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, I think that um, one thing that's really amazing is like the blind, you know, just like support that I get from Tyler because like not everyone's on board to put the financial commitment out there that we do for a lot of these flips. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty amazing. Like half the time we get in contract or we close on a home and he hasn't even walked it or seen it. I mean, he has like full confidence in me. I mean, like Newberg, you saw Maybe after we me, closed. Like I know there's like a trash can full of deals that would have made us money. But like I said, like by the time she shares them and it's like, hey, look at this. I'm thinking about offering. It's like almost always. And But you're pretty conservative, I think, um, when it comes to a value. Like if I'm looking at a deal that she's evaluated, I can like go through and by the time you get to the bottom line, it's like, okay, like this is really safe. Like these numbers are really safe and she'll build in cushions that you really don't ever end up needing, but there's always unexpected stuff. But I think that's part of it is I'm, it's easy for me to feel like, okay, but I also have the knowledge of, you know, real estate. If, If I was, you know, a truck driver or something, I probably wouldn't help much, but. So long, longer term, what's kind of your goal or what do you hope yeah. to keep doing? Are you keep going on to bigger projects? Just 
totally do flipping, burr, X number. What what is your kind of five-year horizon looking like? I mean, I think that we love flipping. I think that it's our goal to hold at least one or two homes a year Mm -hmm. and to have the least amount of money in as possible. So Mm -hmm. like a a bird deal where we find something that's very distressed, we add the value and we earn the equity. And then we, you know, when rates come down or even if they don't, if the the value is there with rent, just looking at the value adds, being able to have, you know, how many doors can you add or what can you do with a lot? Can you add an ADU? Just getting Mm -hmm. creative so that it does make sense even with the you know, the situation with rates and just being able to hold. I mean, I think the the short-term game of flips are nice, but really most people with real estate, it's the long-term yeah. game that is what is going to actually make the most sense. So Totally. We ended up selling the rental that we had and we're kind of in this like acquire cash mode of mm-hmm. like do these flips, acquire funds, and, like build up um, – funds to be able to do the projects that we want to do and do them comfortably. Mm -hmm. And then the long-term goal for sure is to just get that monthly income and be able to stop. Cause really the flipping is a job, you know, and we would love to get, you know, have that fund our ability to have passive income that allows us to work when we want to. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's funny. Like people, Think of I I I do think of uh, flipping as a job because as soon as you stop, there's no more money. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. But it is a great way to build up capital really really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys are saying the one or two rentals a year. Have you ever thought about getting into anything bigger? Multifamily. Yeah, I think so. Like I, I mean, I definitely think that that's something that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's a totally an example of never having done it, and so then you have the like, oh, we don't quite understand it's like we had a rental single family residence we understand that we know it's like it's like oh it's like right but it's like by the time we do do it i'm sure we'll get through it and be like we could have done this a long time ago why didn't we do this a long well, time ago? this is why you have friends like that right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna no, come i would love to do door. multifamily someday yeah. i mean i think that 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 would absolutely make a lot of sense yeah and i can even know do- your story just from sharing it of like buying the duplex right fourplex or, yeah. what the yeah. original one was a four my very first, first purchase was yeah. a fourplex okay oh, primary five percent nice. yeah so, and that's so, an amazing way for people to totally get in. And like i said i did this blindly signing everything and i was not in real estate at all i was a software engineer i was like okay i'm just gonna buy this no but that's such a good Good example of like just going and doing oh yeah like looking at it and i always say like with our business whatever it is is like michelle it's like the magic but the magic is like the going and the doing and the action and it's like that first step is like the most important one everybody can watch youtube and listen to podcasts all this stuff you don't really experience it until you do it and you find all the hardships and then those are the learned experiences that really help you grow not informational stuff that doesn't add any value totally. until you have to like take a sledgehammer and you know break well, down a kitchen you know yeah you don't really know it's yep. like we were just talking about before this podcast with bold it's like the more uncomfortable that you get the more you put yourself out there it's like mm-hmm. that's also like equally like the amount of gain that you you know will yeah. eventually like receive yep. so and you mentioned maybe adding ADUs to properties. Do you guys see yourself getting into the development and new construction area as well too? Or do you prefer kind of the renovation side? I like the renovation side. I mean, I'm not going to say never because I think that could be 
fun too, but I think that it's nice when you can find something like I always love finding properties that have really good bones, mm. have, you know, good siding, good roof, new windows. It's just the inside is pretty rough. Like yeah. the first flip that we did, it was like total cat house. There were bird feathers everywhere, rat feces, oh. human feces. Oh, when, when, no, when, I mean, when we had the, the backyard was just all blackberry bushes. And when we had a oh, landscaper geez. come in and plow it down, they found like heroin needles. I mean, oh, it was like the worst of the worst, but that's like what made it amazing because, you know, those are easy fixable things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was just a lot of like, you know, you're, a lot of times you're going to replace floors and you're going to put new paint in, you're going to redo the kitchen. So it's like the uglier that it looks up front, the more of a discount yeah. that you can get on it. So, I mean, I just love the, the before and after too. Everything so, can renovations be fixed. Are, it's like everything can be fixed. Everything can be done. Anything that you want to do with a house can be done. It's just a matter of understanding how much it'll cost and whether or not it's going to add value to the house or not. But like you walk into a house, no matter how bad it looks like that can be cleaned up. It's just going to cost money. Mm. What if, if one of your clients switching gears here today was like thinking about, Hey, Tyler, and Michelle, we've been thinking about investing for a while. We're having trouble like getting to the next yeah. step. How to, how would you advise them? Like is the easiest sort of way to get into then second property or start investing in their first property uh, even to flip or to buy their first rental or yeah anything any anything whatever what do you think is the path of least resistance oh man if i was talking to like a young investor or like myself 10 years ago yeah, something, 10 like, years ago man, working in retail whatever dude, know. buy a duplex or buy a fourplex and live in it and rent out the other side it's like a no-brainer to me it's like man that's the way to go because you can qualify for more right and you can um you know offset you can, the mortgage you can offset the mortgage renovate you can, the home when you're living yeah. in there you and if you buy you know a four hundred thousand dollar detached house and you just move into it it's like you're not going to get any help with your mortgage and you're going to get appreciation on a $400,000 asset where if you buy a $700,000 duplex, you'll get, you know, your 350 side, but they're going to help you pay for it. And then you're going to get appreciation on 700. And then someday when you're, you know, sick of your neighbor, like listening to them bang on the walls or whatever, then you just move out, put a renter in there. And I mean, I think that if you don't own a home or you're just looking to get into something like that, that would just be such a, smart way to do it yeah i agree and then i think like i mean it depends what your goals are but obviously if you're going to buy a rental if you're looking to buy a single family home i think it's a little bit harder to have to like save up for that because it's a 25 percent down mm -hmm. whereas like if you can find a fixer opportunity maybe where you could utilize hard money or something mm -hmm. just to fix it up and then refinance out of it once it's Mm -hmm. you know you've added that forced appreciation to it i mean i think that there's a lot of diff different creative ways but i would say like for me like we talked about one of our biggest hurdles was the financing so depending on what property you're looking at or what you're looking to do is like just connect with a lender or connect with a hard money you know loan officer somebody who can explain what your options are and then really it's just about finding the right property or deal and that's what like and you know there's young like there are not necessarily just young, but they're just people who want to get into investing and maybe they don't have the funds like to do anything. Like right. I have no funds to put a down payment on anything. Like you can still get into it. You just have to be able to create value somewhere else. So maybe you become the person who 
like really knows the market and can evaluate a deal. And then you're somebody who can go find a deal. Like it doesn't matter who you are. If you can find a deal and you can show it to somebody who understands it and say, look, you're going to make a hundred thousand dollars or whatever. And I have this deal. It's like, do you want in on it? It's like, okay, then you're going to have to contribute the funds. Cause I don't have any, but like, I have an opportunity for us to make money and that's how you can get your first check is mm -hmm. like just being the guy that can find the deal and can prove it. Love that. Yeah. And you know, if people are trying to find you online on social media, your phone number, et cetera, how can they reach you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they can reach us on our Instagram, Cobalt Realty Group. Mm. Um, they can reach us on our website, cobalrealtygroup.com. Um, those are probably the two best. And obviously, all of our phone numbers and emails and all yeah. on there. And Michelle has uh, her own Instagram. I a little Instagram called Rehab to Restored. And I, well, I need to be better at it, but I post a lot of videos or just different before and after pictures oh. of some of our flips. Of your flips. And cool. so if you like seeing that kind of stuff, then you can follow me there on Instagram. Okay, great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, guys, for yeah. showing up. I, I really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. I really loved you know, how you guys got started. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, thank, thank you, you guys. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in to the Realized Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.